following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I want to talk to you this morning about, about the will of God. And when we talk about the will of God, there's been many books written and a lot of opinions out there on, does God actually have a will? And if He does, can we actually know it? I mean, is God's will knowable? Is it specific? Is it general? I mean, what's going on with God's will? This is such a big deal. I want us to look at this. Uh, We're going to spend a a couple of Sundays on it. But today I want to look at in Romans chapter 12. We're going through the book of Romans. And this is where we are today. And it's talking about the will of God. and, And literally it's saying that not only does God have one, but you and I can actually test and check to approve and discern what that will is. Now, if you ask me, that's pretty cool. Um, get the visual, if you will, of walking down the street and a bunch of counterfeit stuff coming up at you and some stuff is real and legitimate and other stuff is counterfeit and you happen to go, no, no, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes. Two things being the will of God or not the will of God. Because the Bible is saying that God wants to give you tools so that you can not only know His will, but you can discern and test. You can test stuff when it comes up. Is this you, God? Is this not you? And there's a way that we can walk through life testing and approving the will of God. That is cool. That is supernatural. That's the parts of this faith that I love the most. See, this faith, this faith is not just, a, it's not about a, a, just a doctrine or a belief or a story that was told. It's about Jesus is apparently alive because he changes lives. Amen? Anybody else in the room that happened to? Yeah. He changed, it wasn't a story that changed your life. It wasn't one that changed mine. It wasn't a doctrine. It wasn't a theology. It wasn't a belief system. It's the reality of a presently alive Jesus Christ that changes lives. And I know that because he changed me. And it wasn't a story. Um, it wasn't just a doctrine, a philosophy. It wasn't any of those things. It's a reality of who Jesus is. Now, the beauty is, The father sent his son and Jesus walked on the planet for three years. And then when he left, he told the apostles, you guys go do everything you saw me do. Go for it. But you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And here's another radical dimension to the faith that the living God, creator of the universe, literally puts his spirit inside to live, to live in the hearts of people so that we can learn to be sensitive to that Holy Spirit and start navigating our way through life with what the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, our counselor, our guide, our comforter, and he, and he leads us in all truth. And so the Spirit of God inside wants to help you go, yep, will of God, not the will of God. Yes, this one is, that one's not. And that's what today is about. It's looking at God's master plan with his will, how we fit into that, And I love this topic. I get excited about it because I think when people start understanding that God not only has a will, but you are a big part of it, when you start actually holding on to that and navigating life that way, it gets real exciting. And so uh, first, to start off, we have to know that he has one, and you need to know that he has you in mind, and you are part of his will and the master plan of what he wants to do. Um, In your bulletin, I put a few scriptures just to set this up, because some of these scriptures, uh, I love these. They jump out at me. They, they're from you know, various places in the Bible, but they, they speak to the reality of God knowing you 
before you took on this earth suit right here. Before you and I came into this earth suit, this tent, as the Bible calls it, this jar of clay, I mean, the Bible uses all kinds of terminology. Before we came into this, this uh, flesh right here, God had a plan, and you were in his mind before your first day came into being, which is talking about his master plan and his will before you and I took a breath. I love that. And there's a few things in there, and they're in your bulletin if you want to follow along. Uh, Psalm 139 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So does God have a will? Apparently he does, and apparently it's got some radical detail regarding you. Now our job is the discovery of that detail, but God has a will. He's ordained days for you. Ordained. That means God Almighty is saying, I made you for certain stuff. I made you for specific things. I put certain gifts, talents, reach. I put things in you with the expectation that you're going to follow me walking in faith and some of these are going to come to fruition and you're going to love it. Ordained days, radical stuff. Jeremiah 29, 11, very popular scripture. Many of you know, I love this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and give you a hope and a future. So God Almighty is saying, I got plans for you. And what most people say is, well, I got plans for me too. <laughs> and this is where the tension comes. Do, do we want our plans to line up with God's? Or do we want God to just line up with us? And truth be told, most of us want God to line up with us. We want to do our own thing and our own plan. But we're so limited in our understanding of what the best is. And God, who knows us better than we know ourselves, says, I know what the best is. And so God has these plans, and they are for your hope and for your future. Um, this other one, too, I love this, Ephesians chapter 2. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word for workmanship is the Greek word poema. It speaks of a poem. It's really an artistic creation, if you will, almost like a symphony, that God is building a symphony among his people. Everyone's got a different place, a different role in God's glorious symphony. But in that place, you are his workmanship, his poema. And we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He's got plans, definitive things that he had planned in advance for us to do. And that is explosive. God has a will. God has a will. And the biggest thing about God's will is our willingness to get with God on his will, to start to learn and track with it and, and discover it. And so if you're a note taker this morning, we're looking at a few key points regarding knowing God's will. And the first one is this, to know that God has a will, so it's really about me getting in on it. It's not a matter of whether he does or he doesn't. He absolutely, definitively, absolutely has a will. But it's really about us getting in on that will. And once we do, it's really a game changer. The way we look at life and the way we navigate life because we're pursuing it with a different set of lenses on. Uh, rather than thinking it's all about us, we realize, no, it's all about you and what's my place in your master plan. That's when it gets exciting. Now, the Apostle Paul, he knew this was a big deal. He knew he was planting churches all over the Roman Empire and he knew uh, the, the genuine people that loved God, that were starting to walk with God. He just realized, boy, if they would really discover God's will, if they would really go after it, if they would really go on a mission to discern what 
is God's will. If they would get in on that knowledge, it would change everything. And it says in uh, Colossians 1.9, Paul says, look, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. He goes on to say, if you are filled with the knowledge of God's will, your life is going to bear all kinds of fruit. And Paul's like, man, I, I am praying. I really hope you guys get this because once you start to crack this thing regarding the will of God and you start to discern, this is God, this is not. This is God, this is not. Once you start to navigate your life, understanding and discerning and testing what God's will is, it gets really, really good. Um, you know, in life, how many know that you, there's tests that you have to take and sometimes you have to do a do-over, right? right? How many have had do-overs in the room? Okay, more honesty in the house of God? All right. Yeah, the do-overs are not fun. Um, the, sooner, the sooner you and I get to discern God's will, the left do-overs we have to do. Because um, God is testing us in things, and he's growing us, and he's stretching us. But when we start to discern this is God's will, this is not, that's a beautiful way to go through. Now, um, this week we're looking at a few of the ways that we test and discern the will of God. And uh, in weeks to come, we're going to look at more things, more tests, that if you really have questions, issues, you're at crossroads in life, you're trying to discern things, you really want to get in on this because these are going to be some ways that you can go down a list of spiritual truths that will discern, is this God's will or is this not God's will? Um, The last scripture, though, I wanted to share, Ephesians 5.17, Paul says, so then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's saying, if we're not willing to understand the Lord's will, it's kind of a foolish way to go through life. And he's saying, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. It's dynamite. So um, he has a will, and God's will will be done. But historically, God has chosen to fulfill much of his will through people like you and I. Now, God's not limited to you and I. He's God Almighty. But he's chosen to execute a lot of his will through people like you and I, historically. He sent his son Jesus. You look at the apostles. You look at, I mean, you look at God executing his will, his power, his love, his mission, and everything he's doing. He he does a lot of it through people. And so he's doing it through the ones that are listening and the ones that are available. And I want to ask you this question. And and if there's only one thing we, we really look at today, I want you to think of this seriously. If God truly revealed the fullness of his will for your life, would you follow it? Now, before you answer that, think of what might be at stake. Because the first reaction is, yeah, sure, I guess so. No, no, think about this. If God revealed his will for your life, would you follow it? Because there was a time in my life where I wasn't ready for that question. I'll be honest with you. I was doing my own thing, pursuing my own thing, and I had a respect for God, but would I actually follow what that will is? I'm not ready for that. No. My answer would have been no. And I prolonged that for many years. And the reason I prolonged it, biggest mistake of my life, I prolonged it because I thought somehow, some way, God's will wouldn't be good enough for me. Have any of you ever had that idea, that thought? Again, a little more honesty. Yeah, help me out, please. That somehow, someway, God's will isn't going to be quite as fulfilling as you think it might be. That, that, is the, that is the biggest lie. I have not met anyone in my life walking with the living God who looked back and go, yep, I should have picked a different path. 
Not one single person who lived their life sincerely trying to walk in the will of God. Not one person with a regret, but many other people who have gone on radical pursuits of all kinds of dreams that sound well-intended. They sound good. They don't sound bad. They sound well-intended, but God wasn't their pursuit. And at the end, they would tell you, yeah, there's, there's some missing components in my life. I think I missed it along the way. And, and the reason is because we have a creator. God Almighty knows you and me better than we know ourselves. And, and we have, we're agents of free will. And if we want to run our whole life doing our own thing, God's not going to force you not to. He's, we're agents of free will. It wouldn't be love if God controlled us. He has to give us choice. And if our choice is to run from him or run away, he'll let us do that because he loves us and he's not going to force us because that would be a contrived relationship. And God doesn't have contrived relationships with his children. They're, they're out of love. They're out of choice. And, and, and if we're willing to, to, to acknowledge who he is and we're willing to come under his counsel and his will and his way and his truth, that is when revelation begins to happen. And so it's really important. But if you are, if God is going to reveal his will to you, would you really listen to it? Would you follow it? There's people in the Bible that their first answer would be, of course I would. And then when they realize what the will is, sometimes they go, no. I think of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing in the Bible. You get to be a prophet. So he's getting to do what he wants to do, right? I mean, he's a prophet. That's a big thing in Israel. And he's like, yeah, I'll do God's will. I'll be a prophet. So he's a prophet. But God shows up one day and says, okay, here's your mission, Jonah. I want you to go to Nineveh and prophesy to these people. Jonah's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to be that kind of prophet. I want to be the prophet that tells people good stuff so they like me. I don't want to tell people bad stuff. I'm not going to do that. God's like, no, no, I need you to prophesy to these people, Jonah. I need you to tell them the truth. Don't worry about that. It's, I'm gonna, I'll deal with the rest, but I want you to go to these people. And by the way, they're Gentiles up in Nineveh. And Jonah's like, look, I wanted to be a prophet, but I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I don't, us prophets, we don't go to Gentiles. In fact, no prophet in the history of the Bible went to Gentiles. Why should I go? I'm not going to do it. And so you get God with a calling, revealing a will, and even people like a prophet might go, I'm not sure if I want to do it. Sounds good, but I don't know if I do. The, re- the reality is, when Jonah finally followed through, and obviously he fought God like I did for many years, fought God, but when you finally go with God on his master plan, Jonah ended up turning a nation around. God used him in a profound way, profound way. And the same is true with us, that if we're willing to get in on his will. There was a guy named, uh, there is a guy, an evangelist, powerful one. His name is Reinhard Bonnke. And he uh, is from Germany, but God called him to be an evangelist to Africa, the nation of Africa, the whole continent. And he was praying. God made it really clear to him, I'm calling you, Reinhardt, to go to Africa. And his prayer was, Lord, why me? Why do you want me to be the guy for the whole continent of Africa? Why not somebody else? Why are you picking me? Why am I first? He said he clearly heard the voice of the Lord. You know what the Lord said to him? I didn't pick you first. You're third. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The first two said no. And he was riveted, like, what? I'm not first, I'm third? Yeah, that's right, Reinhardt, you're third, okay? Don't, don't, don't get all, you know, haughty here. You're third, young man. Um, but I think of the first two that said no, 
And I don't know where they were, but they're like, yeah, I'm kind of comfortable where I, I don't know if I want to do that. And they missed out. You could pull up some YouTube videos with Reinhard Bonnke. Literally millions of people have come to faith. And it's radical stuff from somebody saying, okay, God, you have the master plan. I want to get in on it. So God has a will. We're going to read this, Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, if you have your Bible with you. This is pretty explosive. You might want to underline some of this because to me, again, it's revolutionary. It's a game changer. It helps us know not only that he has a will, but we can actually get in and test and know it. We can discern it. Uh, It says this. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me start there. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's something I didn't know. God, you might have a will, but it's probably not going to be so good for me, so I'm not going to get in on it. Can I tell you, walking with God has been the journey of a lifetime. I don't know what I, I, I was pursuing so many things. I was in bands, playing clubs. I was, you know, having toys and, you know, Corvette and jet boat and, you know, just all kinds of stuff in my prior life thinking this is cool because all your buddies are high-fiving you and going, yeah. And it's like, no, zero, zero, zilch, nada, nothing. There's nothing. There's no hope. There's no future in that. There isn't. But until you start pursuing it, you don't know that. And so even Solomon, who had everything in the world compared to any other king at the time, he writes down in in, um, Ecclesiastes, he's like, look, I've had everything. I pursued everything. I've owned vineyards and I had castles. I've had servants. I've had everything. Can I just tell you? Zero at the end. Yeah, it was kind of a cool accomplishment, but did it fill this? And you know what he says? No. He says, the greater your increase grows, the greater your appetite grows along with it. Check this out. The greater your appetite, the greater your increase grows, the greater your appetite grows in accordance with it. So there's something going on that the increase doesn't bring the satisfaction. Oh, momentarily it might. And there's nothing wrong with increase. God's not opposed to increase or wealth or riches. It's really where the riches are that matter. It's not wealth. It's where the wealth is. But The fact is, Solomon said, I chased everything in the world that I thought was my will, thought was going to be good, zero, nothing. Why? Because the more my increase went up, the more my appetite went along with it, so it never was fulfilling. Do you see how that works? It never is fulfilling. And so this is saying that God has a will and it is good. And I would testify to that. God's will is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. God's will is pleasing because when you walk in the will of God, he gives you a satisfaction that nothing else can quench. He gives you peace and joy and things of the Holy Spirit that nothing on planet earth can ever quench. You can have the peace of God and the conviction of God and just be in a, in a beautiful place by design because you're walking in the will of God. Does that make sense? You're in a place where God gives satisfaction and that's only found in the will of God. So it is good and it is pleasing and it is perfect. But I'd like us to take a look at sometimes the way we view the will of God. And I think what we do, because we're a very consumer-driven society. You know, we're really driven by, um, you know, what we want and what we have and our choices. And we have abundant choices all around us every day. But I think the way we look at it sometimes with the will of God is, well, Lord, I don't necessarily want to 
walk in your will. I really want you to bless and walk with me in all the things that I do. Don't we do that a little bit sometimes? Like, I got a bunch of plans. I, got a, I want to conquer the world over here. I got a bunch. I got a mission. Lord, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But I need you to bless everything I'm going to do. That's not bad in theory, but I think the proper way to look at it is, what's your will? It's your kingdom. It's not mine. Thine is the kingdom, not mine is the kingdom. Since it is your kingdom, and since you are God Almighty, and since you are the Lord and the Creator, and it's your kingdom, I want to follow your will. So where do I line up with your will? Rather, God, then where do you line up with my will? Do you see how we do that? We kind of put it a little backwards sometimes, and I think um, it can be a mistake. A lot of times, even spiritual will, spiritually, we'll say, well, I want this this way, and I kind of want that that way, and I don't want too much of this, but I do want more of, of that. And we have this kind of consumerism mindset, and I think it over, overlaps into the way we look at the will of God. We want this, but we don't want that. I'd suggest that it's not about us understanding God's will so that God can join us on the journey. It's so that we can join God on the journey he has. And God has an explosive journey. And part of it is his workmanship, his poema, the orchestration that he's building today, even in this room, is for us to find our place in God's symphony, not for God to find his place in our symphony. Does that make sense? It's God's masterpiece. It's not ours. We are his poema. It's his poem. It's his masterpiece. It's his symphony. And all of us have a place in the symphony of God for what he wants to do. That's how God's been doing things. And I think it's important to look at it that way. So we can, we can walk with Jesus, but sometimes we just want Jesus to walk with us. And we can stay in step with the Spirit, as the Bible says. Or we can say, no, Holy Spirit, keep up with me. Stay in step with me. And the Bible's saying, no, stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Because if we're walking with God, and we're walking in the Spirit, and we're walking in His will, that's the zone, that is the zone that God has for us as His will. Um, if you're interested in this topic on the will of God, there's a great book called Knowing God, and it's about uh, knowing and doing the will of God by Henry Blackaby. And this is what he says. He really, he really goes deep on this stuff. He says, asking God, what's your will for my life, is not the right question. The right question is, what is your will? What is God's will? Because once I know God's will, then I can adjust my life to him. In other words, what is that, what God wants to do right here, right where I am? Because once I know what God is doing, then I know what I need to do. The focus needs to be on God, not my life. You see how we do that sometimes? We do think my life, my blessing, my calling, my future, my gifts, my... It's not a bad thing because these concepts are in the Bible. But if our view of God's kingdom is really... Our kingdom, my kingdom with my gifts, my talent, my resources, we completely miss what God's kingdom is all about and we completely miss what his will is all about. It's his kingdom. It's for his glory. It's by his power. It's by his revelation. And we are part of this beautiful poema orchestration. And so when we say, God, what are you doing? And the prayer for all of us should be, God, what are you doing in this city right now? What are you doing where I live? On my block, in my book, what are you doing, God? What do you want to do right here and right now? And God would say, Psst, I'm glad you asked. Are you willing to line up with it? Are you willing to line up with it? And if you're willing to line up with it, radical things happen. As a little digression, uh, Christy and I, we've, we've had some really cool moments praying with some people lately with this mindset of, God, it's your kingdom. Wherever we go, whatever you want us to do, we want to be, have an ear towards heaven and say, what do you, what do you want us to do? We were in a... Uh, department store a few weeks ago and we were in there and uh, this one girl Christy was looking for a changing room and I 
turned around, I asked this girl, and I felt the Lord say, do you see her? And I'm like, yeah, what about her? <laughs> and I, I, I just felt the Lord saying, psst, psst, there's something about her. And I'm like, okay. So I asked where the changing room is, and Christy went. And I didn't know what I was supposed to say to her. I didn't know what interaction was supposed to be. But later on, we're in line, and we're at the cash register, and there's three cashiers, and all of a sudden, we're the next one in line, and this girl comes and opens up another cash register. She opens up another, and so we're her customer. So we walk up, and we start talking a little bit, and she says something about, oh, we said we're on a, a date. You know, we have a sitter for our kids, and we're out on a little date. And I said, what about you? Or Do you have any children? And she said, no, I, I don't. And I said, oh, are you married? And she said, no, I don't. I, uh, I, have, uh, I have trust issues with men. And I'm thinking, when has a cashier ever opened their heart out? And with, I'm, I'm with my wife. Bam! I mean, if that's not an open door from the living God, if you got half an ear towards heaven, even one of them, if iPod's in one ear, and you got a half an ear towards heaven, you can't miss that. That's a door kicked wide open, bam, in the spirit. What are you going to do with that? So we're like, you know, God wants to work in that area of your life. You know that? And Christy's like, can we pray for you? And she's like, uh, okay. She, she goes, right now? I mean, there's a line of customers. She's the first cashier. We're like, yeah, do you, can we pray for you? And so we did. We prayed for this girl, and she started to tear up, and she's like, you know, I haven't been to church in 15 years, and I, I know God sent you guys. And it's just, it's little things like that, guys. The, the, the kingdom of God is where your feet take you. The kingdom of God is all around you. Uh, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you if the spirit of God is in you. The kingdom of God is within you. And so as you go and you share, God will use you anywhere and everywhere. It's not just, what's your will, Lord? What, what things are we going to conquer in this universe? It's not that. There may be big master plans, and I'm sure there are many beautiful large things, but sometimes with our focus up there on God, what are we going to execute here? We miss the very reality of where your feet are and the precious present where the Spirit of God is moving in your life and wants to interact with all these people around you. It's really cool. Um, we were up at Santa Cruz last week, and as we were coming out of this, uh, um, this cafeteria, um, we were talking, and Christy was talking to this one gal, and all of a sudden the gal started to... Uh, Christy's like, well, let me pray for you. And I was talking to this guy, and she was talking to this gal, and as she started to pray for the girl, I just realized um, she started to cry. And I realized, I felt the Spirit saying, turn your attention right here. We're going to go big with prayer right here. We're not just going to observe Christy praying. We're going to jump in, and we're going to go. And so I turned around, I'm like, excuse me, you know, this is a powerful moment. God is saying, jump in, I'm trying to do something here. This is what I'm talking about, the will of God. Jump in, I'm trying to do something here. I'm looking for people to use. Who's available? Excuse me. And, and we jump. So we're praying for this girl. And as we're praying, um, we're praying different things. And, and something about her son was, um, you know, arrested a bunch of times and in all kinds of trouble. And, and she's just crushed, thinking he's going to die one day. And if God doesn't change. So we just started praying in authority. And there'll be prayer after the service to pray for things regarding the will of God that you are at crossroads or wondering or quandaries. Please don't miss out on the prayer opportunity. But we, we started praying, and I'm just like, Lord, wake him up, show him, give him dreams, vision, give him nightmares if you need to. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do, God. Wake him up. Wake him up. But we're praying, and we're praying in authority, and we're praying in agreement, because the Bible says to pray that way, and we're praying, Lord, wake this kid up. He's not a kid. He's probably 25. But wake him up, Lord, because he's going to die if he doesn't come to clarity and sobriety, and he doesn't come to know you. The next day, the next day, this woman chased, woman chased us down in tears. 
She's like, I, my phone rang at 7 o'clock. And I looked, and it was my son's phone. And I was afraid that he's either in the hospital or he's this. And he woke up, he said, Mom, I've been thinking. I know you love God, Mom. I'm not, I'm not opposed to God, Mom. I, I, God's been showing me things, and I, I want to come with you next year up there. And I want to, and, and, and this lady is like bawling, crying that immediately God answered the prayer. Immediately God answered the prayer. And even though her son was, you know, uh, 500 miles away, God gave him a holy slap in a good way and woke him up. Because, amen. I know about you, but I need those holy slaps once in a while, don't you? They don't hurt so bad, but they get your attention. Um, anyway, God's been doing cool things in prayer. And a part of being in God's will is just being in that zone where we're staying in step with the Spirit. And you're saying, Holy Spirit, what do you think? But if we're so inundated with our stuff and our world around us, we completely miss that. We're in the wrong zone. This is telling us, this passage right here, that God has a will and that you and I can learn it and test it and approve it. There are ways that we can say, is this you, God, or is this not God? And um, the first one, I want to just say the, the basic ways, and we're going to um, be wrapping up in about 10 minutes here with some prayer opportunities, but the, the first couple I just want to hit on today is the reality of knowing God's will and testing it. Uh, the first tool that God gives us, and it's a powerful, and we can't discount it, is, is the Word of God. Um, the Bible says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's already given us profound tools. So there is general, general revelation in the Word of God. It might not have every specific for your life, what to do, which way to go, where you're going on vacation, who you're going to marry or what job you're going to take. It might not have every specific for you, but it's going to have God's general master plan. And there's quite a bit of specifics in there, by the way. But he's got this master plan and there's general revelation in his word. But not just hearing the word, but doing the word. The Bible says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. So here's the deal. If you and I are simply doing the word, if we're simply doing the word, we're already walking in the will of God. Just doing the word. I mean, before you go down a whole bunch of other tests with all the minutia and all the details in your life and all the questions, just simply being a doer of the word, you're already in a beautiful zone. You're already in a place where God can steer and direct because you're a doer of his word. And that's a big one. So there's general revelation. There's also specific revelation when we spend times with God in prayer. And by the way, the Bible says the Spirit speaks to us in a still, small voice. The Bible never said that God would stop speaking, okay? There's nowhere in the Bible that says God would stop speaking to his people. So God does speak, but how do we discern and how do we test? God, is that you? We're going to be looking in weeks to come at much more details of testing. God, is that you or is that my thought or is that, where's that coming from? We're going to look at some of these details, but I will say the general revelation of his word, if we're a doer of the word, we're already walking in the will of God. That's a beautiful, simple step. So the second point this morning is when I'm doing God's word, I'm walking in God's will. And that is, that is a beautiful place to begin right there. Um, there's also some specifics that take some prayerful search. And there's also a lot of tests that we have. Uh, this passage gives us a profound one. I want to hit these ones real quick. But the, this passage already is telling us a couple of profound ways that you and I can discern God's will, that we can test it, that we can check it, that we can verify it, that we can discern it. It says this in verse 2, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you're going to be able to test and approve the will of God. In other words, if we get a couple of these things down, 
we're going to be able to test a whole bunch of stuff really quickly. And the first two that he says in this passage is, is about the patterns of this world. And the reason is, here's the deal. The world has its own economy and God has his economy. There's a kingdom of the world and there's a kingdom of God and they're in contradiction with one another in so many different ways. And if you and I look at the patterns around us, well, everybody else is doing it. <laughs> you know, wrong is wrong even if everyone else is doing it. Right is right even if no one else is doing it. Okay, that's the difference with God's kingdom and the worldly kingdom. And that's the difference with the pattern of the world and the pattern of God's kingdom. And if you and I are looking and comparing ourselves, well, look at the neighbors and everybody else on the block. I mean, hey, what's wrong with that? This is the problem. We will never be able to discern the will of God looking through the natural at everybody else's stuff. And that's why it's saying the patterns of this world basically right here are not going to let you, if, if you and I are focused on the patterns around us and they're everywhere around us, but if we're focused on everything around us, we're never going to be able to test, God, is this you or is this not you? Because it's going to confuse the whole picture on how it works. So it's telling us if we don't stop comparing ourselves to the worldly patterns around us, we're not going to be able to discern the will of God. So this is pretty revolutionary right here, if you, if you ask me. Um, and the reason also it's saying this, there are no worldly tests available to verify the will of God. God's will is not going to be discerned in the natural. It's going to be discerned in the spiritual. And so if we're looking at the patterns around us and we're looking at natural things around us, that's not going to tell us the will of God. The will of God is going to be discerned spiritually. The Bible says without the spirit of God, you cannot discern the things of God because the things of God are spiritually discerned. Amen? They're spiritually discerned. So the spirit of God will help and show and lead and guide you in this stuff, not necessarily looking around at all the patterns. And there's tons of patterns around us that will really counterfeit or confuse what God's doing. He's got a different economy. He's got a different realm. And there are tests that you and I have to begin to test some of these things. So um, he's saying to renew your mind, renew your mind, be filled with the word and filled with the spirit. That's how you renew your mind. Uh, guys, if you want to renew your mind, because a renewed mind will discern God's will, and that's being filled with the Word and being filled with the Spirit. Now, we've talked about being filled with the Spirit, and we've done previous messages on that. Earlier, I said having God's Word in you. If God's Word's in you, God's Word will come out of you. will be a do of the Word. This is how we renew our mind. So the third point this morning is God's will can be tested through a mind that is renewed. If you and I are in the Word, here's one thing. If you're in the Word all the time, there's going to be so many decisions about God's will that are going to come up really quick that you'll be able to make. Just being in the Word. Just being in the Word and kind of having that overview of God's Word and His mindset and God's economy. and God. There's going to be a bunch of stuff already that you're just going to be able to go, yes, no, yes, no. But when you get out of the Word and you're just caught up in worldly patterns, which can happen to any of us very quickly, just watching TV all week and this and that and being out of the Word and being out of fellowship and being out of worship and just being removed from God's kingdom and kind of just floating out there, it gets really confusing really quick because we're not in a place to, to navigate decisions and the will of God. Here's the last one it says. And on this, in fact, if our prayer team could come up, it'd be great. This is another important one. It says this in the passage. For you and I to discern and test God's will. Here's a big one. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. The Bible says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God gives you a body, wants you to be resourceful with it, wants you to be wise with it, wants you to be a good steward of it, wants you to get the most mileage you can out of it, right? It's a, it's a temporary, you know, uh, trust really given to us. We want to maximize our opportunities. 
But he's also saying with your body, to, to, to let your body literally be a living sacrifice. Now get a load of this picture because all other sacrifices in the Bible historically with, you know, all throughout are, are dead. The sacrifice is killed and then it's put on the offer, altar because it's a valuable thing. Say it was somebody's, uh, you know, say it was a lamb and it was very valuable to you and you're, you're making it as a sacrifice and so it's killed and then it's burnt. But God's saying, I, I don't want you dead. I want you very much alive. I want all of you. I want all of you very, very, very alive to be a living sacrifice. Does that make sense? On the altar. And here's the problem with living sacrifices. Things that are alive usually crawl off the altar. And they don't want to be on the altar very long sometimes. But I'm just saying a living sacrifice is the zone. And, and, and God's not doing this to hurt or to punish. There's no like stinging feeling being a living sacrifice. It's simply saying, God, my, my life, I want it to be on display for you. My life, I want to be for your glory. I'm going on the altar and I'm not getting down. I will be very much alive for you. That's a living sacrifice. And if you're willing to offer your body as a living sacrifice to God, if you're willing to look at things like I have the Holy Spirit in me and I'm thinking about going into this movie and you actually are willing to say, honestly enough, Holy Spirit, what do you think? You're willing to listen to that. You're willing to put yourself in different places and situations. Are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Because that's what a living sacrifice does. But a lot of times we don't want to ask that because Holy Spirit might say something we don't want to hear, so we move on anyway. I'm just telling you guys, the place of being a living sacrifice, the place of being in the will of God is the place of discernment. It's a place of clarity. And, and this passage is saying, the more set apart you will keep yourself. The church is called the called out ones. We are the ecclesia. That's the Greek name for the church. We are the called out ones. And since we're the called out ones, we're, we're called to live differently. We, we set ourselves apart for the glory of God. And since we're the called out ones, we're called to live, the Bible uses the term uh, holy. It, it's pure. It's set apart. It's like, that's the way I used to be, but now I'm set apart for God. That's the, that's the point here. And, and when you're willing to do that with yourself, the Bible promises clarity. The Bible promises God's clarity to meet you in your purity. Does that make sense? If, if, you, if you're willing to be set apart and your body is to be a living sacrifice, God says, in that zone, I can speak to you loud and clear. In that zone, I can lead you, I can guide you. In that zone, you will discern my will. You will know and test and approve. This is from God, this is not. This one is, this one's not. This is important. That's our fourth point this morning, is God blesses my purity with his clarity. And that's a choice that we have to make. You know, why does the road that leads to destruction narrows the path? Some are like, yeah, I don't want to be in the middle of the path. I'll be right over here on the edge. You know, or others are like, you know, God, I, I want to walk with you. I want to stay in step with the Spirit. I want to be where you want me to be. It's, it's your kingdom. It's not mine. It's your will and not mine. And if that's your heart condition this morning, I just want to say we're going to close in prayer. But God wants to do some explosive things. I want to offer the opportunity because I know in my life, when it came to the will of God, I, um, I wasn't ready to enter into his will because I was afraid of what his will might have been for me. And it was the biggest mistake of my life. It really was. I, I, I dragged my feet for another four or five years and wasted them. Waste five, six, seven years. Wasted those years because I realized, boy, if I just trusted God, trusted God that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect, 
but I didn't trust him. And when I finally did, I realized his will, it is good, pleasing, and perfect. And the sooner we get in on that, the sooner we get to be part of his poema, that orchestration that he's putting together, that big assembly that he's putting, this big masterpiece. And we're going to look in weeks to come about where you and I fit in, but you have a very critical place in God's orchestration. In the orchestra that God is putting together, in the assembly that he's putting, the masterpiece, you have a critical role in the big picture. And the sooner that we're willing to trust him in his will, the sooner you begin to find your place in his masterpiece. And the sooner you start to walk out the things that he's ordained for you to do. It's right in that place. And outside of that, it doesn't exist. This is how it exists in the heart of God. So let's just close in prayer. If we could bow our heads and and just say, uh, Mighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.